Hello! And welcome to Plantful Kitchen, the podcast where we talk about cooking delicious and healthy plant-based food. I'm Kevin, and I'm a professional cat dad, professional software engineer, and amateur everything else. <laughs> and I'm Courtney, a food blogger, vocal pedagogue, and perioral dermatitis sufferer. Let's, Let's get, get cooking! Cookin'. Well, Kevin, Christmas is over. The holidays are finally over. How now did we it can, go? Now we can settle into seasonal affected disorder and... <laughs> Get depressed like That's everyone right. else. Now we have to deal with the cold and snow and gray for no festive reasons. Right. That'll be nice. Yeah. So how was your Christmas? My Christmas was great. How was yours? You're not going to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> no, my Christmas was really good. We went down to Houston um, where Will's sister lives mm-hmm. and her husband and their our six-year-old, six-and-a-half-year-old niece, Olive. Um and so we spent a week in Houston, then a couple of days in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And then came back and it was really good. Good. We had lots of delicious food. Uh-huh. The family was super, super supportive um, of our veganism, which I, you're, you're getting a, <laughs> which will, will a lead into must mine. be nice expression on your face. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it was great and inspired by her two gunkles, uh-huh. which is what she calls which is what our niece calls us. Um, our little niece, Olive, is, quote, air quotes, vegetarian during the week. Why air quotes? Because she's not always like she'll. OK, I don't think she is consistent about it, but she sure. says she's very vegetarian during the weeks. So Aww. it's really, really cute. Yeah, it's really cute. So they try and pack her like plant based lunches. And um, we had a conversation about vegan deli meats. Uh-huh. And what to give her for lunches uh-huh. for during the week and stuff. So it was, it was fun. It was really good. That's really cute. Yeah. Uh, and f- so for Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. um, the menu was mushroom wellington, which was... Which looked so good. It was delicious. Looked I'll really go good. back to that in just a second. And then we had some pan-seared Brussels sprouts with uh-huh. lemon and garlic uh-huh. and mashed cauliflower. Oh, and a fruitcake that Will made. Oh, yes. His fruitcake is also very good. It's also quite, yeah. quite delicious. Yeah. So the Mushroom Wellington was really delicious. I tried I had made it last year, but I tried a new recipe this year that I like even more. Oh. And so basically what it is is you get three pounds of mushrooms, which that's mushrooms are light. Mushrooms. So that's a lot yeah, of mushrooms. Yeah. They're kind of expensive, too. It wasn't too bad. I They call for... Four portobello mushroom caps. Okay. And then just chopped mushrooms just from the grocery else store. You yeah. Want. And okay. I think like a half of a pound is maybe three fifty or four yeah. bucks at the mm-hmm. grocery store. So kind of expensive, but not as expensive as like a beef tenderloin or something like mm-hmm. that. So what you did basically was chop up about three quarters of the mushrooms and then saute them in a pan Mm -hmm. get the water moisture out and Mm -hmm. i'll talk more about cooking delicious mushrooms later on awesome but you get the moisture out add some walnuts in there and Mm -hmm. some seasonings Mm -hmm. and some thyme and salt and pepper and a little port deglaze the plan the pan with With port port. Mm -hmm. oh fancy and then you uh pan fry the portobello mushroom caps and caramelize some onions with apple cider so it's Oh, um, portobello mushroom good. caps, caramelized onions, uh-huh. and this mushroom walnut pate, essentially uh-huh. all wrapped in a puff pastry okay. and then basted, or sorry, not basted, like baked in the oven until sure. it's golden brown. Yeah. With a port reduction, which was 
so delicious. What? It was so good. Oh, wow. It took yeah, that forever sounds really to make. good. It took forever to make. It's it definitely did. a special occasion meal, but yes. it was really, really yeah. good. How was your Christmas? Uh, it was a little different than yours. I'm very glad that you were supported and loved by your family for your <laughs> diet choices. My parents are not vegan, um, and they are pretty supportive. They don't make us feel bad about it. Uh, my dad cooked vegan pancakes for us on Christmas oh, morning, cool. so that was Super nice. Super easy. Those yeah. are great. Yeah. He, and he makes those with teff. He, like, grinds oh, fresh. Oh, so they're gluten-free, too. I think Is teff gluten-free? I think so. Oh, I don't know. It yeah. doesn't matter to me. I but like teff flour. It's so good. It's very buttery yeah. and kind of and nutty. It has a little cinnamony flavor to it, yeah, too. Yeah, it's really good. So he made us those pancakes and... Um, Wait, did you say he ground his own teff? Yeah, because he can't find teff flour, so he mm. buys teff grains and then grinds them. Uh, so he made us those pancakes, but that was all that anyone cooked for us, which... I should be used to by now. Um, so my, yeah. So we were very spoiled when we lived with my parents for a couple years. We boomeranged for everyone listening. We boomeranged <laughs> real good. Uh, so we lived with my parents for like a year and a half. And while we lived there, they were totally happy to do vegan Thanksgiving, vegan Christmas. Didn't matter to them, especially because I did most of the cooking. It's like whatever you want to make. Uh, so we were very spoiled and I didn't realize it until this year when my mom decided she wanted a regular Christmas meal. So they had, you know, turkey and jello salads and all of that stuff. And I made three or four things that Dan and I could eat. Um, so, yeah, I did my Brussels sprouts recipe, my stuffing recipe. I did mashed potatoes and uh, a pecan bourbon pie. Um but it was weird. It was weird for the first time in like three years to sit at a at a feast table and see a carcass, you know. And while my dad was prepping the bird, I just couldn't stop thinking about all the surfaces his hands had touched after touching that bird. Like, yeah, that's it's gross. so icky, especially knowing how many bacteria and other things are on those those carcasses just ugh, gross i can't help but think anymore of the lives that those poor turkeys had yeah. especially if it's like just a grocery store i mean it's not even much better if it's a free range no. turkey because that just means bigger cage with more turkeys in it mm. um yeah it makes me a little sad yeah Anyway, so that was our Christmas dinner. And then the other part of this whole thing was Dan's family. So our, our families live in the same town. We didn't meet each other while we lived in our hometown, but they happen to be living in the same town. We spend Christmas Eve with Dan's family. And um, this year, my youngest sister-in-law was not home. She spent the holiday with her boyfriend. And usually she makes us a lovely vegan risotto that everyone can eat. And then we know, like, there's one thing on this table that we can eat. Uh, so she wasn't there this year. And we were informed the day before Christmas Eve that we needed to bring our own food, which is always a slap in the face. It's like you want us to come over. You want us to spend time with you. But we have have to bring our own food like right. you can't even tr 
try to make like one or two things that we could eat. So I ended up cooking the entire meal other than the salmon, which my sister-in-law stuck under the broiler. It was like already cooked. So yeah, several hours cooking a meal for them. Yeah, that's Um, frustrating. Yeah. For sure. And then later we got to hear about how uh, my mother-in-law thinks that being vegan is just silly and a pain, even though we, you know, cooked them a giant dinner. So family stuff is is hard. And I just I don't think I realized how lucky we were in years prior. You know, it is hard. And food is like a super personal thing, like super personal and super sensitive in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And I I guess veganism is a little bit of a pain in the ass, but it's like everyone can eat vegan food. Yeah, that's the thing. And also most of these swaps, like you were saying, are super easy. I get not wanting to like provide a faux meat on the table for us. I don't need that anyway. But if you could just make you know, the mashed potatoes, like you were saying, with something other than dairy. Right. Even like vegetable broth. Yeah. 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 So the swaps are very easy. You just have to put in the five minutes to Google them. A little bit of effort. Yeah. Yeah. Or even a phone call beforehand saying, hey, we want to make something for you. Yeah. What are, what can we do? What's easy? What, what could we manage? Yeah. Right. And I don't think families... At least I don't think my in-laws realize just how loved that would make us feel if they did put in an extra five minutes to figure out what they could feed us. I wonder if part of it is because people get a little extra defensive about veganism because maybe they don't want to think about it. Because if you think about it, you start to realize that it's kind of Right. Right. I mean, you're challenging someone's worldview. Right. And I understand why that would be annoying. Yeah. Um, it's the same reason why, like, the big agriculture industry passed laws saying you can't record the inside of mm-hmm. slaughterhouses and the conditions under which animals are raised. Because if you showed them to anyone, I think almost any reasonable person would be like, no, this is wrong. Yeah. And when confronted with that, and thinking about that and people who have decided to take action against what they think is wrong, mm-hmm. not to get too self-righteous about mm-hmm. it, but I think it's um, people get defensive because they don't want to think about it. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about the farmer's market. Yeah. If you can find one still open, chances are... <laughs> Anywhere outside of the South or yeah, New York City. You might find sunchokes. I don't know. I don't know what sunchokes are. Well, good thing I have a whole half good, page of notes. Good thing. All right. Edumacate me. So a sunchoke is also called a Jerusalem artichoke, a sunroot. Oh, they are the same thing. Or okay. an earth apple. Yes, they're the same thing. So there was a period during the 90s and early 2000s where they were tried to be popularized again. And so there are all of these marketing names from them, okay. which I think is where we get the the confusion between sunchoke, Jerusalem artichoke, sunroot, and oh, earth apple, sure. which I had never heard before. That's what the French call potatoes. Right, pomme de terre. Yeah. yeah. Different so, thing. What is a sunchoke? Yeah, what is it? What is it's it? a root, right? It's Some a kind tuber. of tuber. It's a tuber, yeah. yeah. It is actually a sunflower. 
It says a variety of sunflower, and the part that we eat, the sunchoke,、uh-huh. is the tuber of the sunflower. Okay.、And、so you can pull a picture of it up on the internet, and it looks like a regular sunflower. So why、like、sunflowers ones... are not growing right now? So how are sunchokes in? You can、season? leave the tubers in the ground,、oh. and you can also harvest them and keep them. Oh, okay. A website I read also said that、um, in January sunchokes can be harvested、hmm. in certain areas. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if you go to the grocery store and see them or the farmers market, they look like ginger roots, but small pieces of ginger roots.、Oh. They're sort of the size of a golf ball, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe two golf balls put together. Really? But they look like ginger roots. They have a sort of brown, papery skin、okay. and little knobs and bumps all over、uh-huh. them. And so they're the tuber of this certain variety of sunflower. They're very nutritious for you. They、uh, contain about two percent protein, which is not nothing for a plant.、Mm-hmm. Um, have no oil and very little starch. But the thing about them that is good for you is that it's rich in the carbohydrate inulin. And so, what inulin? It is a type of soluble fiber that is found in many plants. And I'm going to just read this. It is a fructin. Meaning that it is made up of chains of fructose molecules that are linked together in a way that cannot be just digested by your small intestine.、Mm-hmm. Instead, it travels to the lower gut, where it functions as a prebiotic、uh-huh. or a food source for the beneficial bacteria that live there. Your gut bacteria convert inulin and other prebiotics into short-chain fatty acids,、mm-hmm. which nourish colon cells and provide various other health benefits. I was just reading about short-chain fatty acids produced by. The microbiome when they eat fiber. In、uh, a book I'm reading by Dr. Michael Greger, "How Not to Diet," it is、oh, so so good. I saw that and I wanted to read it. So fascinating. There's so much information in there, but the section on short chain fatty acids was particularly interesting. So, what have you ever had a sunchoke? I think I might have had one that was like in a dish at a restaurant, but I can't recall for sure.、Uh, they are. They taste a little bit like artichokes, which、okay. is kind of how they get the name.、Mm-hmm. They have the texture, so sort of a little bit of a texture like a, a potato, but not starchy.、Um, it's definitely not a soft texture. The texture is a little hard to describe.、It's、like not, a carrot. A little bit like a carrot, but not not quite as soft as a carrot. It's like a cross between a potato and a carrot. The texture. Oh, so an uncooked potato. Yes, a little bit like that. Okay. And then. They are、um, nutty and sweet, and so so delicious. I love them. How do you make them? You can basically do anything you would do with a potato. So you、oh. can roast them in the oven.、Mm-hmm. Um, the way I've done it in the past is just toss them in a little bit of oil、mm-hmm. and salt and pepper and roast them whole in the oven. You could do them in your air fryer.、Uh-huh. You can slice them up and fry them like French fries. Um, another way that I have done them that is delicious is boil them first to get them soft,、mm-hmm. and then smash them.、Mm-hmm. Just smash them flat a little bit, and then pan fry them、um, in like a cast iron pan、sure. with some herbs and salt and pepper and、yeah. butter. And they are really, really delicious. Nice. Yeah. I wonder, could you do like a like you do with whipped parsnips or cauliflower or something? Could、yeah. you do a whipped sunchoke? I bet you could. Yeah, I bet you could. You wouldn't want to peel them, I don't think, because it'd be a pain in the butt to peel. But you could have put them in with the boil them in and mash them and put them in、yeah. with the peels on. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. 
Yeah, it would be really good. And so the first time I ever ate them, they were so delicious that I ate a ton of them. I ate so many. <laughs> but because they are feeding your gut bacteria uh-huh. and have a lot of fiber in them, yeah. it definitely can make you gassy. Sure. And it was the wildest experience. Was it, was, it, really? it was the gassiest I have ever been in my really? entire life. Yeah. How many did you eat? At least a probably a pound or a pound and a half. Is this before Maybe you were vegan? Pounds. Yeah. Okay. It might be different now. I would be curious to see. I'm going to get some and try it out. Let's conduct an experiment yeah. where you eat a pound and a half of sunshows <laughs> and see how you feel now that you have a different microbiome. So if if you're not vegan and you're not used to eating a lot of fiber and your microbiome is not going to get a shock and produce a lot of gas. Um, <laughs> what do t- I do with this? Maybe take it a little easy at first uh-huh. on them. Uh, but they're really, really delicious and I recommend checking them out. So, Kevin, did you know that January is Birth Defects Awareness Awareness Month? No. It's the the time of year to be aware (laughs) of birth defects. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it is. We've got a month for everything. Also, this month is National Thyroid Health Awareness Month, and we'll talk about thyroids next time. Somehow we're going to figure out a way to talk about diet and birth defects. Let's let's do it. So one chemical that has been linked to birth defects, including a slew of other things like miscarriage, gestational diabetes, fertility issues and just general hormone disruption is folates. Have you heard of these? Mm -hmm. I hadn't either. These are also in how not to diet. So, so good. So folates are a synthetic chemical That's used in plastics. Interesting. Yeah, but they're not like bound up in the structure of the plastic, so they can easily kind of slough off. Hmm. Which, um, yeah, which means that it's pretty easy to become exposed to these things. And the main source of exposure in, uh, at least in the U.S., is meat and dairy. Why? Well, I'm going to get to that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) And chickens are are the worst, apparently. Now, I can't answer the why with chickens. Um, I mean, we we get exposed from our food. So one could assume our the food we're eating is also exposed in one way or another. Right. Um, So chicken is the worst. They can't figure out why chicken is so high in folates. Folates are really high in dairy. They figured out because dairy is now not hand milked. Right. They use machines and that equipment is lined with a plastic coating. So all of that milk that's getting sucked through that tubing is being exposed to plastic, which has folates in it. And it ends up in the dairy supply. And if it goes through like a mile of plastic tubing. Exactly. Yeah. It absorbs all of that Mm -hmm. from the plastic. Which means that milk is bad. Cheese is worse because cheese is concentrated concentrated milk. Wow. Yeah. But uh, the good news about this whole thing is you can easily reduce your phthalate levels. It doesn't bioaccumulate like a lot of toxins. And I'm talking about real toxins like synthetic chemicals, not fake, not fake toxins you can get rid of by (laughs) drinking olive oil and grapefruit juice, which I did do in college, by the way. Do you, did you feel detoxified? No, I felt like I I could not leave the vicinity of the bathroom. Essentially. 
fat and sugar. Fat and sugar. Yeah. Half fat, half sugar. So stupid. Anyway, real toxins. These don't bioaccumulate in our fat cells. You can actually get rid of them through your urine. So that's how researchers test uh, people's levels of folates. Um so there was a study done in Korea where people were ta- put on a five-day Buddhist monk-style vegetarian diet. And I'm not sure if that includes dairy. I don't know. Um, but it didn't include meat. Maybe only dairy that you've hand-milked yourself. Perhaps. The cows that you've made friends with and you know their name. <laughs> it does seem like the Buddhist way. Um, so over those five days, Korean researchers saw a dramatic decrease in folate levels in their study participants urine so if you want to lower your folate level you can just stop eating (laughs) meat and dairy (laughs) well it's good news that these don't accumulate bioaccumulate right and don't just stack up in your body yes but it's i mean circling back to the whole uh birth defects thing if you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant now might be the time to to really cut down on those things and uh luckily we've got a whole bunch of substitute ideas for you to use it seems like there's a lot of advice for pregnant women to avoid like chicken because they might have salmonella or mm. like fish, raw because, of fish because of mercury yeah. or cheese, unpasteurized cheese right. or be- this sort of stuff. So maybe pregnant women should go vegan and then stay vegan. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, wonder would, I wonder if that would make any difference. That would be an interesting study, probably hard to do, where you have a group of women who didn't do anything to their diet and then a group of women who... yeah ate vegan during their pregnancy and then studied the outcomes of babies that would be interesting i feel like you would need such a large study or um sample size probably impossible but interesting to think about yeah yeah for sure um if anyone is interested in following the the studies that i cited or you want to read more about this i'll link all of these studies and articles in the show notes so check it out so cooking tips i cooked a lot i cooked a lot of mushrooms making that mushroom wellington Mm -hmm. courtney four pounds of mushrooms (laughs) that's that's a lot of mushrooms let me ask you a question and i'm sure you're going to talk about this uh did you wipe them off by hand how did you clean them i am going to talk about this okay all right go ahead uh so the cooking tip is mushrooms, how to cook delicious mushrooms. How do you do it? Uh, well, mushrooms first are a great source of vitamin D. And in the winter, when you're not getting a lot of vitamin D, that's important. You eat a lot of mushrooms. I took vitamin D today. Maybe great. I should have eaten mushrooms for breakfast. Probably. Mm. So your question about wiping them. Yeah. If you buy them from the store, mm-hmm. if they're commercially farmed mushrooms, mm-hmm. the brown stuff is not dirt. It's a sterile growing substrate so it is the stuff that they're grown in but it's not dirt and it's sterile really so you can wipe it off if there's a lot of it Mm -hmm. but if you eat it it's not bad it's not gonna hurt you right okay so what i do usually is just get a paper towel Mm -hmm. dampen it and wipe wipe them off yeah generally a little bit yeah that's what i do too yeah not a ton Mm -hmm. and i don't because it's it's a pain in the butt yeah you don't want to rinse mushrooms because then they'll absorb some of Mm -hmm. that water 
which you're just trying to get back out again when you cook them. I used to wash them off. I had no idea you were supposed to wipe them. And there's so much water in the pan when you do that. Yeah. Once you start cooking it. Because they're just little, they're like little sponges. sponges. Yeah. Little tofu things. So the key to cooking delicious mushrooms is you want to get the water out of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a few ways that you can do this, but the key is to have a hot pan, mm-hmm. give them space, mm-hmm. and use salt. Oh, I like to uh-huh. use salt. Okay. If you're using a salt-free diet, mm-hmm. then you can avoid the salt part, but the salt helps draw the water sure. out of the mushroom. Yeah. And so, say you want to cook some of those big portobello caps mm-hmm. for a burger or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you have a grill... Brush them with some olive oil, throw them on the grill. Um, the water will come out and they'll be delicious. But if you don't have a grill like most of us, at least most of us living in the city. Right. This is a tip that I read that worked out really well. Sometimes those big mushroom caps will have some overhang on the underside that protrudes past where the gills are. Yeah. So trim that off so that the bottom of it is flush with the gills. That is such a good tip. It was a really good idea. I read it from the this New York Times recipe that the um, Mushroom Wellington came from. Okay. Yeah, that's really smart. And that way you can, rather than just getting the rim of the mushroom, mm-hmm. you get the bottom of it and then you get the top right. of it. Because otherwise the water is going to come out, get underneath it and, and steam, steam it. it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, trim off the overhang, brush them with oil. And any of these mushroom things you can dry saute also. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have oil. Right, because they're a, so wet. Right. And if you have a good nonstick pan, mm-hmm. they'll cook. And then when they get done, they'll sort of unstick themselves Right. when they get that like crust on them. Mm-hmm. So uh, brush it with oil and salt and do four or five minutes per side. Same thing with tofu when you're cooking it. Mm-hmm. Don't move them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you move them, they don't build up that delicious caramelized crust, which is what tastes so yeah. delicious. And then after you're done with the big portobello caps, take them off and then put them gill side down and let them rest. And even more moisture will come out as they are resting. You'll see it drain onto the plate. Oh, cool. Okay. And then you can use them in your burger and they'll be tender and delicious and taste really good. Yes, Kevin. I've learned so much. And if you have like the sliced mushrooms from the grocery store, same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You want to put them in... A single layer in your okay. pan. Mm-hmm. Give them a little bit of space around them and cook them, salt them, and cook them until all of the water comes out. Okay. So give them space. Right. So, how many batches do you think it would take someone to do like one box of sliced mushrooms? Like one mushrooms? of those cartons of, of like eight mushrooms? Out. Probably two batches, okay. depending on how big your pan is. It's not too long, and right. it's definitely worth it. And they do cook faster they do cook when they're fast. not crowded. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than a soggy, watery mushroom. It's true. It's really gross. Yeah. Yeah, cooking them correctly makes a big difference. And you find that you don't need to season them right. as much because right. they taste so good. I even cook them before I put them in something like a curry or a stir fry. Mm. I cook them by themselves because... Yeah, that's smart. Otherwise, they don't ever get that delicious concentrated mushroom flavor. Right. That umami. That umami. That's Gotta it. Gotta get that. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you have uh, like fancy mushrooms from your fancy section in the grocery store. Or from I love the- that. That's my favorite section. The, <laughs> the fancy, fancy section. section. <laughs> or from the farmer's market. Um, 
either ask the mushroom person mm -hmm. if there's a mushroom person around how to cook them mm -hmm. or go to Google and ask how to cook an oyster mushroom or a lion's mane mushroom sure. or a lobster mushroom or any of the different types because they all have different ways that they want to be cooked. Mm -hmm. For example, I got some oyster mushrooms not too long ago and the guy told me to slice them across the grain right? and then really make sure to get all of the moisture out of them when I was cooking them. Some of them you want to leave a little bit of moisture in because it tastes good. Some of them you want to get it all out. Some of them you cut them different ways. So yeah. if it's not just the, um, the basic grocery store mushrooms, then do some Googling. Well, we are officially in January, which means that Veganuary has already started. So we're kind of behind the times. Veganuary has begun. <laughs> uh, just for a little history, Veganuary, this is coming from Veganuary's website, is a nonprofit organization that encourages people worldwide to try vegan for January and beyond. During their 2009 campaign, more than a quarter of a million people took our pledge, their pledge, to try a vegan diet, while more than 500 brands, restaurants, and supermarkets promoted the campaign and launched more than 200 new vegan products and menus in the UK market alone, which is pretty cool. So anyway, in Veganuary, people who are not vegan pledge, they sign up to go vegan for the month and veganuary this organization will send them a lot of um information to help them so that's cool i'm get yeah neither of us have done that right but um if you were going to give someone who is going vegan for the month of january one piece of advice what would it be have emergency food ready to go <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like when you're hungry yeah. and you just got home and you're tired and you can't stand to cook mm. and you would normally order takeout from somewhere, right. but then you don't want to like search through all of your different takeout places for some place that has vegan. That's when you're going to go off, off track. Mm. So have some emergency food. And by that, I mean, I like... Amy's no cheese frozen pizzas. So have some frozen pizzas to put in the freezer. That's a good idea. Frozen meals. Or yeah. make sure you have peanut butter and jelly supplies. Sure. Or there are all sorts of like cool, weird, junky foods. You can get like Gardein makes little chicken sliders that fake chicken sliders that uh -huh. you can get or like little burger sliders or little burritos. Yeah. Uh, so I would just say be prepared to not want to cook vegan food and to be mm -hmm. hangry mm -hmm. and have something ready for that in, That's in really case smart. of emergency. Yeah, that reminds me of what Carrie was talking about in our previous episode where we interviewed our friend Carrie who went whole food plant-based for a week and she said that was the the part that made her slip up was just not being prepared to be really tired and right. hungry and just right. not kind of want to throw the towel in. You just in for the don't want to, you just don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. What's your advice for veganuarians? So I'm assuming a lot of people try things like this and they want to gauge how it makes them feel. 
I think at least from personal experience and talking to a few friends have done, who have done things like this, like you embark on it knowing the ethical reasons are good, knowing the environmental reasons are good, but you really want to know, is this going to make me feel okay? Like, right. can I survive on this? Will it make me feel better than I did before? So my advice would be focus on healthier foods. Yeah. Like if you're just going to go from eating junk food to eating vegan junk food, you're going to feel the same. Right. So if you can incorporate more just plants, just plants into your diet, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, then you'll have the both of the best of both worlds. Like you'll be doing the thing that you feel is right and you want to try to do and at the end of the month, you'll feel better than you did before. So if you're going to do a like a freezer stockpile of emergency food, just look at the back of the boxes in the grocery store and compare which brands have more or less sodium, more or less added sugar, added oil, and go for the brands that have less of those additives. Or, you know, buy, you can buy freezer like I said, freezer at a mommy, a bunch of frozen berries and make a smoothie with it. That's a really quick nighttime meal. Um, but yeah, figure out how you can eat the healthier side of the vegan diet. So you actually know how it's going to make you feel at the end of it. Like, yeah, that's what the advice. potential is. I think we c can combine like you could combine both of our yeah. tips. Like, I think your advice to eat the healthier things. Mm hmm. Because there are people who are vegan who only eat Oreos mm -hmm. and you probably don't feel very good from that. Right. But also having some backup food, a healthier choice of backup right. food, if you just can't stand the thought of cooking or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So you can plan your meals for the week, try to make them as healthy as you can with whole foods and uh, and have some backup freezer food for the for the days when you just can't bear to lift a finger, because at the end of the day, it is going to be better for you than eating, you know, a freezer pizza with dairy. Right. It's uh. I mean, the only real difference is the cholesterol, probably. But hey, you're not eating that <laughs> cholesterol, so good for you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, and the the phthalates too. Ah, hey, hey, good job. Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm bringing it back around, bringing it full circle. Yeah, that's true. So good luck to anybody who's trying it out for the month. Proud of you guys. Yeah, and uh, try. I don't know. I, what I'm trying to say is like, try and make it delicious. Mm. I mean, does that, you're not going to want to stick to it if the food isn't tasty. Yeah. So use resources like vegan, there are tons of vegan blogs. Go to mm -hmm. notlikemama.com oh, to you. find recipes. Um, read about the different ways you can cook certain things um, just to make it taste good because you, you won't want to stick with it if it tastes bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. How was that? Make it delicious. Just, <laughs> just stop being just bad and make better. it delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that we could do this all day. One thing I'm going to add is I'm sure you're going to want to go out to eat with friends. So before those occasions arise, figure out which vegan restaurants you want to go check out. Because yeah. I'm sure there are some or mixed area. restaurants that have yeah. vegan options. Right. And then, you know, it is really hard when there's a group of people want to go to a place where there's nothing for you to eat mm -hmm. 
So scope it out beforehand or be like, hey, could we go to this other place? Because yeah. there's they've got a couple options that I could eat. Right. And honestly, most people really do not mind. Yeah. As long as there's something as long there as there's they want to eat right. too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. So happy Veganuary and January. Yes. Join us next time as we talk about thyroid health. Egg substitutes. And we recipe rehab breakfast sandwiches. Mm, delicious. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Our Plantiful Kitchen. And be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with another plant loving or plant curious friend. So Let, let's, let's eat, eat some, some plants. plants. <laughs>